0: We already had LIDAR, we already had hyperspectral, multispectral, thermal, infrared. We've had all of that. The only thing drones have allowed us to do is make those sensors a little smaller, put them on a more affordable aircraft, and put them in places that you couldn't put them before as easily.
1: Welcome to the Reality Capture Network, where we focus on technology driven innovation, education, and community. The Reality Capture Network, bringing the future to you. On this episode of the RCN podcast, the founder and CEO of DroneUp, Tom
0: Walker. I joined the Navy, went into the nuclear power program as a nuclear engineer on submarines, and then went into the special operations community, supporting special operations teams all over the world. And I think that's when I first got my interest in innovation, how to use existing technologies to improve effectiveness, kind of amalgamating different technologies to create new and innovative solutions. It was a really smart move on Walmart's part to leverage contactless free COVID test kit delivery to test drones in the U.S. Gave us the opportunity to do 1,315 deliveries into residential neighborhoods and so all of those things we kind of needed to prove we got to do in nine weeks. We could do it safely, we could scale it, communities wouldn't hate it. It was a big moment for us moving forward. The FAA has the responsibility to protect the national airspace. They've got challenges on the air, on the ground, air traffic control systems, and now all of a sudden you're gonna inject these things into the air that can be purchased at a department store that are a real challenge. We've really tried to view ourselves as a partner. This is the first time in the industry's history where Congress, the FAA, and industry are all aligned on an approach to this. I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life. Don't know that I've had as much fun. So for me, this is just an exciting and cool opportunity. I'm excited about it today. I'll be excited about it tomorrow.
1: All right, welcome to the Reality Capture Network. Today, we're excited to have a special guest with us coming to talk with us. So, Tom, thank you for joining us from Drone Up today. Yeah, thank you for having me. We are excited. We've seen uh, I've seen a bit of news out there about you and some exciting things going on with your company, and so I'm sure we're going to dig into that story a little bit, but. What I always like to do when we start out podcast interviews is really learn about the individual first, you know, no matter what their role is, I like to hear the story of what got them into the industry they're in and, and the journey all the way back, you know, however long you want to take us to, you know, what, what you grew up around, what inspired you to get into the industry you did. So I'd love to start back at your story
0: a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I appreciate that. There's not a lot of exciting back in the, uh, the early days. I, uh, you know, I, I lived in Arkansas, grew up in Arkansas, and uh, uh, the old joke back then is it used to be called the land of opportunity, and the only opportunity was to see how fast you could get out. <laughs> uh, so I um, I joined the Navy and uh, uh, went into the nuclear power program as a nuclear engineer on submarines, uh, and then uh, got commissioned about halfway through my career and then went into the special operations community supporting special operations teams uh, all over the world. And I think that's when I first got my uh, kind of interest in both software, but innovation, how to use both existing technologies to improve uh, effectiveness, but also kind of amalgamating different technologies to create new and innovative solutions. So I think that's really where I got that. Um, After leaving the Navy, I went to work for my wife in a software company uh, and uh, worked there for quite a few years. Uh, and then uh, one day walked into a Best Buy and saw drones on the shelves. Mm. And started researching them and realized, you know, there's there's more technology on these sub $2,000 platforms than there was on the space shuttle. And these things are gonna change the world. I believed that at the time, I believe that now. Uh, and I kind of made it my goal. My mission was okay. If if they're going to change the world, let's do our part to figure out how to make that a positive change, not a negative change. Um, and uh, bought a drone that day. Lost it in the ocean that day, um, <laughs> uh, but didn't give up on 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 the dream. And and here we are six years later.
1: That's awesome. Uh, I love your approach to the new technology. We talk about technologies a lot in innovation where so many people look at new technology and they're more hesitant and they're afraid of it. And they think we don't even want to see the advancements of AI and robotics and drones because we feel that it's going to replace our need for a role and for a job. And that idea of that mindset of don't think of technology as something that's dangerous, that's gonna replace you, but how do we embrace it in a way that's positive change for our industry, for our career, for society? And that's very much the mindset it sounds like you had when you started thinking about drones, is you're, you went in head first, even though it's challenging, it's a new industry. Um, what was it like when you first started? So what inspired you to start your
0: company? Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I, I like to joke. I tell people right before I, I several years ago I was getting ready to give a speech, and right before I went on, I was being interviewed, and uh, the the gentleman asked me at the time. He said, "So what do you call people in the drone industry? Are you are you visionaries? Are you pioneers?" And I answered very quickly, and I said, "I I'll tell you. I think we're batshit crazy, <laughs> and here's why. We went into an industry not knowing what exactly it was we were going to be selling." to customers who really had no idea what it was they might ultimately be buying in an industry that the government had yet figured out how to regulate. And so if you put those together, it's about as risky as you can get. So our initial endeavor was, we knew that there was tens of thousands of these drone operators out there. We knew that because of the registrations in the FAA. And we thought, okay, let's just start day one how do we build a network of these operators that could have a positive impact on society? So we created this app that would essentially allow us to send out notifications to drone operators that there's somebody missing, a dog missing, there's a, you know, whatever it might be and give them the opportunity. Again, there was no business model yet. I mean, I think I'm your typical entrepreneur. I didn't create the business model until about three or four years in, right? Yep. But, But at the time it was, and the vision was eventually we could use this same network for commercial services. So start out kind of this volunteer network. Um, and so that's how it started. Uh, and 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 before you knew it, you know, the first day we opened up the app, I think we had three or 400 registrations. By the end of the week, we had 4,000 and the, it was crashing every day because, <laughs> I mean, we just hadn't built it for that type of scale. Uh, and now there's um there's a little over fifty five thousand operators in our in our in our drone network, so in addition to the delivery stuff, we also do commercial services. so it's grown and continues to grow. We have registrations every day
1: so yeah fifty five thousand that's quite a few pilots <laughs> yes yes it is so you know obviously, like you said, and this is the the fun of entrepreneurship and and starting something new that's maybe not been developed before is You don't really know what you're going to do yet. You know, there's a path, you know, there's a technology that's a game changer. And so you just start and you start figuring out different applications and different use cases. Um, What are some that maybe in the last couple of years, as you've defined that path a little bit more, you know, for those that don't know you guys and your company and what all you're doing, what all are you, are you guys kind of headed towards or attacking now?
0: Well, obviously delivery has become a very big component. Um, you know, people ask me every day. You know, when is drone delivery going to be real? When is it going to be available? And and I have to remind them we're doing deliveries seven days a week, twelve hours a day, from a list of over twenty five thousand products in thirty four locations throughout the uh, throughout the United States. Uh, getting ready to expand that to even more. Um, and 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 the th- interesting thing to note is that all of those deliveries are under 30 minutes. So from the time the order is placed until the order is delivered, it's under 30 minutes. There's a lot of benefits to that. But in addition to that, on the commercial side, cell tower inspections, very big, uh, makes a lot of sense, right? Rather than having somebody have to go through the permitting process, the safety process, climb the tower, uh, it's 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 sometimes dangerous. It's time consuming. We can fly that same tower in about 15 minutes and get the same results uh building inspections parking lot inspections residential roof inspections uh that's the the list goes on and on and on and 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 we're doing it every day all over the united states and and outside of the united states that's
1: awesome yeah and i love you bringing up the delivery part because um i don't think most people know that that's happening right and they don't. we, we look at it and we still, most people still think of it as, oh man, someday in the future, there's going to be, you know, a drone's going to drop stuff off. And then you look at, and you're like, Hey, uh, you guys are actively doing that at, uh, many locations dropping off at your, at your door. What, what were some of the challenges? Uh, I'd love to hear some of the challenges starting the program for delivery drone delivery.
0: Well, it's interesting. If you go back to how we started, um, you know, this was in the middle of just after the pandemic had had, had, had began and, and, and really I think everybody became aware of how serious it was. Um, we'd never done a delivery. We were just a commercial drone services company. And this memo came out from the White House and it was, hey, how can commercial drones and their operators be used to assist in the pandemic specifically with regard to delivery? And I tell everybody, my, our answer was very honest. We have no idea. We'd never <laughs> done it. We'd never done a delivery. Um, and so when we were given the opportunity, uh, you know, we did this operation in Lawrenceville, Virginia, called Operation Last Mile. This was a tough thing to pull together because we pulled together in the middle of the pandemic. So everybody's having to. We're wearing masks. We're trying to social distance at the same time. You're trying to figure things out and work together and collaborate, but you can't because you got to be six feet apart. Uh, But we published a paper called Operation Last Mile where we really identified what we believed were both the opportunities for delivery and the challenges. It was a very transparent document. We talked about the crashes that we had, the mistakes that we made. But that, I think, was the first time anybody had really kind of opened the kimono and talked about the feasibility of delivery. Uh, and, 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 And from that point forward, Uh, there were a lot of challenges, regulatory challenges, still a problem, right? Uh, The FAA has the responsibility to protect the national airspace. Um, And they got a big job on their hand. If you read the news over the last two or three years, you know, they've got issues, they've got challenges on the air, on the ground, air traffic control systems, I mean, everything. And now all of a sudden you're gonna inject these things into the air that can be purchased at a, a department store that are a real challenge. So the FA has had has had has had a heavy lift there. We've really tried to view ourselves as a partner, but with regards to the 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 other challenges, one that's not very often talked about is you can't go online and order a hundred heavy lift delivery drums. Um, you can't order the winch systems. You can't. There's a lot of things you just can't order because there hasn't been demand for it. Yeah. So we've had to both kind of innovate and manufacture. We don't wanna be a manufacturer, but we've been forced to do that uh, at the same time while trying to get the regulations in place so that as these things scale, the industry will not just be good for delivery companies like mine, but will also create a a, a slew of other companies that'll be creating and developing the products. Uh, we create our own software by and large, but when it comes to hardware, we look for partners. Yeah. So that's a challenge. And then, and then again, you know, uh, uh, customer acceptance, that's something we were worried about. Um, I think, you know, when we looked at the three things, it was, can we scale considering we don't have a supply chain? Will the regulators come around and, and believe in us? But the third big one was, how's the communities gonna react? Are they gonna come out with pitchforks and you know, you're flying drones over my neighborhood. And that's the one I think we've been the most surprised by. Wow um i will tell you a funny story when we were doing COVID test kits deliveries in las vegas in north las vegas you had two ways you could get a, a test done from walmart you could drive to the walmart and then in, in your car and have a COVID free test or you could order one and have it delivered to your house by drone and then you would take the test and then mail it back and when we first started all of these uh, people in the neighborhoods were saying, "There's no way I'm getting in the car and driving to Walmart. There's COVID out there. Just deliver the the the, uh, the test kit to me." And so we did. And then we would have people get it and then get in their car and drive to the Walmart so they could tell us how cool the delivery yeah. was. It was like, <laughs> "Wait, why didn't you just drive up here the first time?" But I think it was a really smart move on Walmart's part to leverage contactless, free COVID test kit delivery to test drones in the U.S. because it, it it wasn't just a delivery stunt, but it was a way to demonstrate an effective use of drones, but it also gave us the opportunity to do 1,315 deliveries into residential neighborhoods over a nine week period that had never been yeah. done. And so all of those things we kind of needed to prove, we got to do in nine weeks, we could do it safely, we could scale it, communities wouldn't hate it. And so that's kind of was a big you know moment for us moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I, obviously, you probably know your market better than I do. Uh, is there anybody else out there really doing mass delivery like that yet?
0: Yeah, there's other companies out there, not 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 in the U.S. at the scale that we're doing it, but uh, but a lot of and, and a lot of the companies are doing it outside of the U.S. right now because it the the, the some of the regulations for flying Easier. further allow that. <laughs> yeah. um, we're very supportive of of that because we think. You know, our opinion is, is 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 we are all hold a responsibility to move the industry forward in different ways. Um, ours is really by putting numbers on the books in the U.S. into residential neighborhoods, uh, demonstrating that we can do it over and over and over and safely, and kind of building that community adoption model. Uh, others in the industry are spending more time really pushing and testing their technologies. Uh, all of those things are relevant, they're all important, and they all come together to uh, to lift the industry up.
1: What would you say from your knowledge on the delivery side that, you know, how far out are we from every state, someone being able to just order something and have it delivered?
0: Uh, I think it's going to happen quicker. You know, I get two questions. I get that question, and I get how far are we away from uh, uh, having uh, uh, drone taxis haul us around. I have <laughs> pretty straightforward answers to both of those. But uh, you know, right now we just finished an aviation rulemaking committee, an arc with, and, and that's where the industry and the FAA come together, and we we say, how are we going to get to beyond visual line of sight? What do we really need? What does the industry need to provide? What does the FAA and the Department of Transportation need to do? That was a big moment because for the last five or six years we've been talking about when do we get to be, be lost, you know, beyond visual line of sight, and. And so now we've, this is the first time in, 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 since we've been in business, and I think in the industry's history, where Congress, the FAA, and industry are all aligned on an approach to this. And with the FAA reauthorization bill coming up uh, next year, um, I think that, I think that you're going to see longer range, high volume deliveries within the next 12 to 18 months. Um, It's, it's much closer. And, and once, you can make the unit economics work, then it starts to make sense to get, you know, to start to scale it more and more and more.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, how many states are you guys working in now for delivery?
0: So right now we're in seven states, um, and 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 I think that probably what you'll see is more of an expansion into those states rather than than other states. Uh, kind of demonstrating, you know, one of the things we have to do is we have to get the unit economics to work, the cost per delivery to work. Um, And there's a couple of things that are needed. I mean, one, we've got our weight capacity up to 10 pounds now, uh, which doesn't sound like much, but if you think about this, uh, almost 90% of the packages that are delivered every day in the United States in that final mile weigh eight and a half pounds or less. And so when you look at it that way, suddenly, oh, wait a minute, drones can deliver you know, ninety percent of what's being delivered in the last mile already, as long as it'll fit in that box. Um, and then, then you start to kind of reflect on that and back up and go, "Wow, what are all the benefits here? Taking taking traffic off of aging infrastructure, taking that traffic out of uh, out of communities, and 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 the noise levels and everything. The and then of course the impact on the environment. Then suddenly it's like, wait a minute, we can all ninety percent can be delivered that way. And we've already demonstrated between us and our other partners throughout the industry with over a million delivery operations in the last year, without a you know without a major incident or injury. It, it, it starts to make sense that now is the time to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, when you add up all those comparisons, we see that a lot with a lot of new technologies. Sometimes people think of adopting laser scanning or drones or mapping and and sometimes you only compare it to what is the other option, but when you step back from a higher level and you see everything that it can impact, now your value right. is is 3 times, you know if if that many drone operations are happening with delivery and there's no accidents well how many car accidents are there from delivery people and you know what's the cost from the vehicle and the fuel and the like everything else you you added um yeah i'm 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 waiting to just see the sky full of drones and packages
0: just flying (laughs) i don't think it'll ever be that you know we've done so many studies people go it's just going to be this teeming (laughs) buzzing noise and it's like you know, if you think about putting you know a hundred drones, even if it was a hundred drones up in a square mile area, you would rarely ever see one. right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So uh, I think that concerns a little bit overstated because the truth of the matter is we're going to just basically move the number of deliveries that are happening today. Well, how many trucks are riding down the road? You know, how many yeah. how many do you see? I mean, I might see one or two all day long in my neighborhood or three, you know, on a busy day. But when you think about the fact that the drones can go point to point and they're not having to come down the road, then the probability of you actually seeing one in your house is even less, uh, less probable than seeing the delivery vehicle because they may not actually have to to traverse right in front of or behind your home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right now I've never ordered something to be delivered by drone. Uh, I want to do it at some point. right now when you choose to have it delivered that way is there an additional fee in order to get it that much faster
0: right now we're charging three dollars and 99 cents but if you think about the fact that you're getting it in 30 minutes yeah um, it's 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 really an insignificant fee
1: absolutely yeah and and that's why i ask is i'm like you know i would think that part of it is people who want something that quick you know they don't want to wait two days even though you know historically two days was amazing to say oh we can just order right. something and get it dropped off but the benefit of having that need that day people are you know probably willing to double their fee just to get it that fast if they they don't want to go somewhere. Um, no that's that's awesome. Um, let's see I had some other questions. Um, what do you think what do you think some of the hesitations are in um, kind of the mass adoption?
0: Um, I don't know that there's hesitation right now. I think it comes back to um, the reg, we need to have the regulations in place. Uh, Right now, everything is kind of what we call rule by exception. There isn't a very specific set of standards, so everybody's kind of doing it their own way. I think we're going to have to standardize some of those operational components um, in order to make everybody more comfortable. Uh, But when it comes to, um, you know, scaling it out. For example, with us, both those regulations, ensuring that we've got the most efficient hardware, uh, again, and 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 the and the right weight to be able to ensure that we've got the right packaging size. That again makes that uh, economically feasible for the long haul. Uh, we're getting there. You know, one of the things you said earlier, which is kind of interesting, is one of the big focuses for us is driving down the number of personnel necessary for a single location operation. And, you know, the first response to that when the when the folks who are running these programs are like, okay, great. So I'm coming in every day working really hard so we can eliminate my position. Um, And I can see how they think that. But one of the things that you said earlier, which I want to kind of really address is, is every one of those people that we end up replacing at the hub location are then moved over to the automation division, or the innovation division, or the training division, or the engineering division. I mean, you don't you 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 move these people and the processes they're doing into a system that does it, but somebody still has to yeah. manage that system. Somebody knowledgeable and somebody capable. So so far, of every position that we've eliminated uh, at the hubs in terms of this particular uh piece has been replaced by technology we've not laid off a single one of those people that have been replaced
1: yeah absolutely and that's awesome to hear um and i just i try to push that a lot that that idea that um when we look at any new technology the adoption of it it doesn't just eliminate a a role It frees us up from doing that repetitive thing that now technology can help us with and now we can shift those people to focus on things that maybe the technology can't handle yet we get to be more creative we get to come up with the next solution we get you know we just get to apply ourselves in other areas um and so there's no reason to to be hesitant of letting a technology come in and play um I like talking about, and it's just a very different example, but like the automobile industry, when cars came around and people were hesitant to the cars being on the road and they were loud and there were, but then I I look forward and I was like, even the people back then that were hesitant to vehicles, how many of us ride horses on the freeway today to get to work, you know? (laughs) Right <laughs> when you see the technology at a certain point it becomes efficient it becomes a better option and we see that with a lot of technologies and so the idea of of shifting our focus to how we can use them instead of be hesitant toward them uh, in any industry I think it's just the 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 better way to do things um let's see what uh are there any you you brought this one up so I do want to hear your thoughts around it you uh, you talked about um, uh air taxis <laughs> is that right what what is your thought on that area
0: i think we're a ways off there i mean for a whole variety of reasons and I, I love to tell the story that you know the first self-driving vehicle was at the world's fair in 1939 um and it it rode all around the fair and people were just amazed and it was basically using magnets on the ground to you know trace it around but at the time nobody had seen, there was a driverless car going around and it was like, this is the Jetsons, this is the future. And and, and 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 I tell the story that almost 80 years to the day later, I was in San Francisco at the Virgin Hotel waiting and they were gonna have a self-driving vehicle drive from the parking lot to pick us up and take us to where we were giving the speech, which is about a half mile away. And all it had to do in that 238 feet was drive around and pull up in front of the hotel. And in that 238 feet, It sideswiped a parking meter and took out the back tire of a California Highway Patrol motorcycle. And I remember standing there and thinking, if this is how far we've come in 80 years, we got a little ways to go, right? I trust autonomy in the air, which there's no density. We've created some really sophisticated uh, uh, detect and avoid solutions that'll allow us. We're staying lower to the ground than the general aviation. So they've got that deconfliction. And, and there's not a lot of unexpected things that happen at 300 feet in the air. When you move that down to the ground level where you've got people, you've got bicycles, you've got animals, you've got drivers that are texting, you've got drivers who are drinking, and you've got all of those things, it creates so many different factors that can, in just a matter of seconds or microseconds even, um, make the decision process even uh too much for a computer and the sensors and the processors so you put all that together uh and as somebody who's in the industry and a huge proponent of autonomy i won't be getting in one anytime soon uh but i would certainly welcome you to do it and let me know how the experience was
1: yeah there you go no that's so true yeah down here we don't we don't get to control all of the elements around us and it's busy and hectic and um just while we're on that topic, I've heard some people talk about it's kind of like an all or nothing. Like if we did autonomous cars on the road and they were all autonomous, then we wouldn't have the drinking and the driving and someone going faster and cutting lanes. And uh, do you think we'll ever get to that point that all vehicles on the road are autonomous?
0: yeah I don't know if we will or not. I, I do agree with you, and i've I've looked at the studies that's that 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 have created those two different test environments where there was manual and and it's like eighty percent higher interaction rate than if it's fully autonomous. Um, I certainly agree that that's probably the answer. Uh, but again, you know, even right now, uh, our planes could technically take off land and fly from point A to point B without a pilot. I certainly feel a whole lot better having two of them up there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've I've wondered that I, I've even thought about that in the aviation industry. I'm just like, it's surprising um, that we don't have more accidents or we don't have something go down. Like we are to the point that I it, it seems the level of engineering and the safety checks and the backups uh, we just don't see that many issues in the air and it's why we hear you know flying is safer than driving <laughs> even though people see it's that's more true. it's scarier it's this big piece of metal flying through the sky that if something went wrong but it just the percentage of time something does is so much smaller um
0: but when it does it's typically more dramatic right that is true yes yes
1: um So apart from some of the typical, uh, you know, drone services, the inspection and maybe some of the mapping and now um, really looking at the focus of delivery, are there any other use cases that you see in the future for drones that maybe aren't being done now um, as some type of futuristic use case?
0: Um, You know, I think there's a lot of things, especially when it comes to um, uh, studying meteorological events, being able to use uh, drones to capture microclimate data at, at different altitudes and at, at different locations that aren't just your standard on the ground beacon or in the air sensor. Um, but I also see them being able to play a role in creating secure communication networks. Um, you know, if you think about having all of these in the air, uh, suddenly you have a infrastructure that could be a private network. It could be, you know, you know, private LTE networks. It could be whatever you could imagine. Uh, there's that opportunity. And then, but more importantly, I really think that the use in public safety and in security is gonna increase significantly over the next few years. Um, I read a report recently that said 88% of all fire truck dispatches are for false alarms. Mm. And if you think about what a fire truck costs, and I think they, they, they average somewhere between four and six miles per gallon, and the, and they're heavy, and they're huge, and they're out on the road. Um, If we could, you know, leverage unmanned aerial systems to respond to those calls uh, rapidly and then determine whether or not there is a significant event that requires that, I think that's going to be great. I think the other thing is, one of the things we're testing right now is um, a system that allows us to have these kind of remotely deployed storage units, and in these units, you can have AEDs, Narcan, EpiPens, and you name it. And if there is a, a an emergency that requires that, then you can deploy a drone to the box and then have the drone deliver that to a location, um, you know, in under a minute, whereas it might take EMS 10, 12 minutes or, you know, whatever yeah. the other responder may be. Um, so I think public safety, emergency response, um, and, and, and disaster planning and disaster recovery are areas that drones are gonna be much more uh, significantly used. You think about one of the challenges today, is when you have a, a major event like a hurricane or or or, or, or something like that, uh, the first thing the FAA does is they issue a TFR so you can't fly over the area. Well, they do that so that the recovery and emergency response aircraft have the priority in the air without anybody else being in the air, and and I think that's a good idea, but I think, we need to take another look at that now that drones have become much more sophisticated. You've got a large group of professional operators, you know, 1,000, I think there's 200, over 200,000 registered Part 107 drone pilots in the United States today. How do we balance that out and allow those drone operators to immediately respond uh, to determine the magnitude of impact uh, and, and, and successfully and carefully deconflicting them from the other general aviation aircraft that certainly have higher priority because there's there's people on board but how do we balance that and those type of things i think we're working through now for the first time um and and rather than it kind of being an us versus them thing it's now an us and us and how do we work together yeah Um, that's those are probably some of the bigger ones i think you'll see
1: that's awesome yeah I think the uh, the emergency services one. I'm. Do you know if anybody's already doing it as far as like response for for fire or you know, or was it you guys who did do some of the delivery testing of like EDS or?
0: Yeah, we we have and and we also are testing a security system uh, emergency response or alert response. Uh, we do support uh, some public safety municipalities. Uh, we have. Uh, many times uh, participated and supported uh, search and rescue mm. um, and search and recovery, uh, which is also uh, you know, much more challenging. And emotionally, I've, I've learned from doing it a couple of times now. Um, so yes, it's being tested. We're testing it and others are testing all of the things that I talked about above.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that just seems like such an incredible use case. Uh, you know, you could see in the future every every police station, every fire station having a drone on their the roof that can dispatch to go to an emergency to verify and and even you know we look at something that unfortunately continues to happen around the country with um, you know shootings and 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 issues like that. The idea of you know sending in technology that can autonomously go look for uh, individual or go in safely without, you know, personnel being the first thing in or um, I think there's so many areas that technology can help us uh, on that emergency services side. I think you're that's that's it's incredible here. And it's exciting to see, like we talked about earlier, some people are hesitant of certain technologies. But when you think about the benefits to the world that can happen with the implementation of them in the right use cases, when creative invid, uh, individuals get together, and you look at, you know, a drone is not just a drone. When you take a drone and you work with the police station, when you take a drone and you work with delivery, like how we implement the technology with the creative side and the innovation, mixing those to solve problems for different industries. there's It feels like there's an unlimited amount of potential uh, ahead of us.
0: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'll tell you one of the interesting um, uh, operational test that we participated in recently was the uh, testing of a active shooter harassment drone. Um, and, and just kind of looking at how that application could be deployed rapidly and then listening to the psychologists who were, you know, involved in the study talking about how this, just this distraction, you know, buys seconds and those seconds can mean X number of lives. And you're like, and, and all you're thinking about is oh how cool how can we make the drone do this without a real appreciation for kind of the macro effects of this in terms of how many lives it could actually save it's it is really exciting
1: yeah that's great well i look forward to watching as you guys do more and uh and you're you're kind of exploring so many different industries at once um what would you say when we? Uh, so, actually, I have a couple questions. One on the delivery side. I know you guys have a very public relationship as far as working with Walmart on expanding out that delivery. Are you guys working with other uh, organizations on building out delivery, or is that kind of your 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 main area at the moment?
0: From a retail from a retail standpoint, uh, Walmart's obviously our biggest customer. They're an investor. They're a board member. They're a great partner. Um, it's a great relationship. Uh, specifically with them because we really have a, a similar kind of goals, and one is how do we make people's lives better and how do we save them money, and 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 we believe that by providing affordable drone delivery service uh, can is help them save money, and by not having to load that you know sick child in the car at eight o'clock to go to the store to get children's Motrin or Advil or diapers for that matter, certainly has the opportunity to make lives better. Uh, or for those people who don't have the ability to get in a car and drive, and 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 and, and if they want to get a meal and they have to do it through some of the third-party services, well, it can be insanely expensive. So we can provide access to, you know, food, groceries, and other things at a much more affordable cost. So we think it makes those lives better. But <laughs> we also are working in medical, um, and in, uh, in 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 diagnostics. We just announced press release. I think was just published yesterday. Um, that we are working on a project to deliver medicine to uh, Tangier Island in partnership with uh, several other groups within Virginia. And that one is pretty spectacular because I didn't realize until I was briefed on it yesterday that it can take up to three days to get certain medical supplies out to Tangier Mm -hmm. Island. We're gonna be able to do that by drone in 30 minutes. Again, coming back to those simple practical applications. And of course, safety is number one, safety is everything. Uh, and and this one has a pretty good m- case for uh, testing that safety because you're basically providing a service that is needed and you're flying a drone over water, um, kind of in the middle of nowhere. So is there a safer way to test this capability? Uh, so we're excited about this project. Uh, and then we have some other projects going on for delivery of emergency uh, diagnostic equipment. Um, we're also using uh, drones for campus safety. Mm which again is is significant we're also using drones for uh parking lot safety in large parking lots where you know um, uh, somebody may be leaving and they don't have good camera coverage so a drone f- takes off when they get notified the person is leaving to provide kind of security overwatch um, as people are going to their cars late at night so there's just a lot of different applications but with regards to delivery uh, retail and medical are are really the two primary focuses for us right now
1: Awesome. Um, when it comes to some of the like security and the universities and the, you know, those applications, I know we've all seen the movies where, uh, you know, drones are flying and they have face detection and they're looking and they're scanning people and it can identify who they are and, um, is is that something that happens in the future where the drone is it has some of that uh intelligence incorporated that when it is doing you know uh, a flight around a campus it can identify certain things that might be traits that would or is it is today are we at you know manual people are watching and looking for things what's what's that look like now and or as we go forward you think
0: I'm going to not answer that question, but I'm going to answer a different question. Okay, good. So that that that's going to answer your question. Um, one of the things that people you you said it earlier, but one of the things that people don't realize they talk about drones and how cool they are that we can put lidar and we can put infrared and we can put these different sensors and hyperspectral, multiple, you name it. We we can put these sensors anywhere we want them now, and the answer is to the response to that is. That's exactly right. These are sensors that already existed. We already had LiDAR. We already had hyperspectral, multispectral, thermal, infrared. We've had all of that. The only thing drones have allowed us to do is make those sensors a little smaller, put them on a more affordable aircraft, and put them in places that you couldn't put them before as easily because you had to do it with manned aircraft or with a helicopter. So this isn't like some super new, crazy technology. It's just smaller aircraft, smaller sensors that we're putting in. So with that, what I'll respond to you is if you think about the fact that I can take any sensor, Mm -hmm. make it smaller and I can put it on an aerial, unmanned aerial platform, then any of those things that you're talking about probably can and in some cases are already being used. Yeah, perfect.
1: Great answer. Appreciate, appreciate it. (laughs) Um, all right. I think one of my, one of my last questions, um, when you, so we talked a lot about the delivery side. I think that's a very, a very cool area that's new that not a lot of people see, um, We do see a lot of uh i think growth in the drone use for different industrial applications and and commercial applications of you know surveying and mapping and inspection of roofs and um maybe even certain sensors that are put on for looking for leaks or thermal um when it comes to the commercial side are there are there kind of any you think advanced or unique developments that you guys are working on in that area um that maybe are apart from the the traditional things we see
0: um, you know, obviously, you're seeing work in solar and in the wind farms and using uh, the drones for that. Uh, but I, I think one of the things that's really going to open up that broader utilization that you're talking about is when we can fly beyond visual line of sight, when we can start inspecting large amounts of infrastructure. I'll give you a great example: is um, we fly parking lots, and you'll fly a parking lot, gather the data. Put it into one of a various different group of partners, different software applications, it can create a report that's amazing. It can tell you where you have cracks. It can tell you where the spaces between your parking lots don't meet certain OSHA requirements. It can check the luminosity to tell you whether or not it it, it is still adequate for, you know, the environment that you're in. And you can do all that in a parking lot because it can all be done within line of sight. But imagine when we can fly roads where you could fly an entire a highway and gather that same data without having to have crews out there driving and pulling over and when walking the, the roads and all of the different ways that this gets done that are long, cumbersome, genu- generally in, inaccurate. Um, I think just from the infrastructure, just from the national infrastructure, being able to inspect that rapidly, create priority level reports so that we're not just fixing the road because we have the budget for that road, but we're actually taking that those budgets, whether it's federal budgets, state budgets, regional budgets, and we're using them to fix things preemptively, whether rather than waiting until it's so bad, we're having to respond uh, with more significant and expensive infrastructure enhancements. To me, because everybody talks about our aging infrastructure, and it is bridges, roads, dams, you name it. if we could just get to the point where we could literally do those type of inspections it could have a monumental in fact uh, uh, impact over the next 10 years and how we handle infrastructure
1: yeah no absolutely i think uh that beyond line of sight opens up a lot of a lot of opportunities that maybe are, are difficult now and and we do some drone work ourselves but not we don't uh, attack huge projects like that what when you look now what What is the distance, you think, as far as the line of sight that you could do now? So if you're going to go do a roadway, uh, what kind of range do you have to do?
0: Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of different interpretations on this, so I'm going to be very careful. But, you know, when we we first started this, there was, you know, the understanding that the remote pilot-in-command had to be able to see that drone at all times. And we've seen through approval of different waivers that have been submitted and then and, and different con ops that the truth of the matter is, is that somebody, the remote pilot or a visual observer or another operator who has the ability to take control has to be able to see the drone at all times, um, can momentarily lose sight of the drone. And you know there's a big discussion right now in the industry of what momentarily means. I've never heard so many discussions around one word, <laughs> but. But 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 the, but the reality is is the real responsibility um, that the operator has is to be able to make sure they can see the airspace and 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 take appropriate action in the event that there is a potential uh, collision. And so when you start thinking about how close do you need to be to actually see the airspace versus seeing the drone, then you can start to extend those distances. Um, I think the number one thing is is that in, in 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 any of these conversations is starting with safety. In, you know, re- reinforcing safety and then closing with safety, and and I encourage all operators to 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 abide by the regulations, but more importantly, uh, try not to always be constrained by them. Look at your operation and see. Is there a way that we could be a little bit more effective, a little bit more efficient, not violating, but, but, but trying to create risk mitigation strategies? For example, having a visual observer out there who can take control of the drone allows you to go a little bit further, doesn't violate the rules. Uh, I, but nothing that we're doing is gonna reach the level of effectiveness that we're talking about. If it's you know inspecting you know, 27 miles of power lines, 150 miles of railway or 300 miles of of, of highway, we're never going to do it. Even in these extended visual line of sight uh, operations, it's going to have to be beyond visual line of sight.
1: Yeah, which that's what uh, it makes all the all the advancements of the technology exciting when you look at the scale that can start to be done. And that's even where even even maybe certain people that are in the technology they say, oh, once someone can do autonomous, now I don't have to go out there as often and do it. And it just goes back to that same conversation of it just shifts our focus. If we don't have to do manual flights for 200 miles and we can have that be autonomous, well, now we get to focus back on to how we can use the data in different ways. And, and we can accomplish right. the whole amount of infrastructure instead of going out and doing one bridge because it takes too long to do 200 miles. Uh that's awesome. Well, I'm excited about the future. I think uh, you guys seem to be very much on the on the front end of drone use for different applications. Um, I think the last thing I maybe want to want to just ask as you as we leave off with you is uh, I want to ask two things. Um, one what are you most excited about um, you know what excites you personally just kind of in your life right now like with where you are and and to uh what's most exciting for you in the future of the industry you're in
0: well I, I I would be I would be completely disingenuous if I didn't say how proud and excited I am to be a part of a team that is really leading uh the way for 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 a lot of things all drone but specifically you know related to delivery um, and 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 I think you you know you, you could go through a lifetime four times and not have the opportunity to to be involved in something that is you know is going to have such an impact on society I, that, I, that I'm excited about that I get up every day excited about it I think that's why we have such a low turnover rate in the company and such a high excitement in the company is they know that too right um and 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 so I'm I'm working. I tell people I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life. And but I have don't know that I've had as much fun ever. So this is really for me. This is just an exciting and crazy, uh, cool opportunity. Uh, as far as the future goes, you know, I have sincerely seen the impact and the reactions from people that we've been able to uh, deliver products to. Uh, If you think just about Walmart, 90% of the U.S. population lives within 10 miles of a Walmart. I mean, so when we talk about beef loss, I don't need to go 100 miles. I don't even really need to go 10 because the overlaps of all of those. So, you you know, we're talking about getting out five or six miles. We're not that far away. And when you can start delivering over-the-counter medications, prescription medications, any food product, and you can do it rapidly and affordably, and we can really start to see that shift off of that infrastructure to more rapid, uh, you know, what we like to call instant delivery. I think you will see a fundamental, fundamentally positive impact on communities and on society. And uh, I, I'm excited about it today, and I'll be excited about it tomorrow, so.
1: That's awesome, yeah. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's amazing. I'm definitely one of those people that uh, will use the service when it's available. Uh, <laughs> I've got the uh, the four kids at home, and there's days, you know, where it's like, man, if we got to go to the store, we got to load everybody up. And that idea of, hey, I can order something real quick and get it dropped off, and the, the convenience, the time savings, the quality of life, like you said, the goal to be able to help people, help the community. Uh, I think the delivery piece is definitely a piece of that, and I'm excited to use it. Um, and the other thing that i that you said that i like is um you talk about you getting excited about the work you're doing and this is an area i love talking about i think more people should find companies and find industries that they can get excited about their work because you do more you're more creative you apply yourself like you're saying you're working harder now than you ever have because you love what you're doing and you love that it's making an impact on people um and the other thing about like the future of new technologies we all sit here and think about these ideas of what the future could look like and then at the same time it's only going to look like that if people do it. Somebody right. has to be the creator, be the innovator, be the one applying themselves and and actually create it or it'll never happen. So we get the opportunity to decide, hey, we see that future and we want to be a part of building it and definitely seems like you have that mindset and your organization as well. So I'm looking forward to continuing to uh, follow you guys and see what you do. And thank you again for your time uh, joining us today. Look forward to sharing this with our
0: community. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it.